Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Premier League Review Show. It's a show that thinks Considine Hatsidakis, the linesman who reputably el elbowed Andrew Robertson, should be knighted. On today's pod we're revisiting a comfortable and impressive victory at St Mary's that saw assistant-in-chief Kevin De Bruyne join the 100 club. We'll also be going around the grounds looking back on a thoroughly entertaining weekend of Premier League action. To discuss all this, as ever, I'm joined by my top flight cohort, Tom Young. Hi Tom, you there? I'm here, and yeah, I'm well again, because once again we've got City wins to talk about. We've oh, got good one. dropping a points good one. to yes. talk about, and it's, yes. it couldn't have gone much better for us this weekend, so um could have gone a little bit better if Liverpool had managed to nick a win at the end there, but for the most part, I'm certainly not upset with what I saw over the weekend, so very much excited for this one. Well, I had to do... Uh an Arsenal-West Ham preview before, and I realised I included the stat that uh, Gabby Jesus, every time he's scored, he's, he's not lost uh, in the Premier League in any game that he's scored, which is remarkable. And then it occurred to me that had Liverpool scored that third goal, I wouldn't have had that stat to write up. So, <laughs> small blessings, I know. Um, let's start on the South Coast. Uh, obvious place to start, and what a game, what a performance, what a much-needed Philip this was particularly going into the Bayern game. Um, and yet, early doors, Southampton, they look good. We, we didn't look panicked, we didn't look poor, but Southampton, with their kind of you know high pressing, it was coming off, they were creating a couple of chances. For me, that shows City have patience and belief and trust in what they're doing. The fact that they there was no evidence of panic. Would you go along with that? And would you also agree that maybe that what those traits weren't there at the start of the season yeah very much so on on both fronts i think what one thing that i'd said and i've said on doing this this uh, show throughout the season is and in the pessimistic stages after maybe we maybe got beat by united maybe i said it after on that show or it was the thought of city being unable to string together a run of 10, 12, 15 victories in a row. And I'd said on numerous occasions, I just didn't, and I, and I stand by when I said it, I, I still maintain the same point now, that I didn't think City looked like a side capable of doing that. And that, were, that was where my reservations were, with that Arsenal will drop points, but I don't think City are a side who can win all those games and capitalise on that. And that was why I thought Arsenal were probably the favourites for the league. I now genuinely believe, again, having watched what was on paper looks to be a very simple, straightforward 4-1 victory. And in reality, with the exception of a, a bright enough start by uh, by Southampton, I don't think we were ever massively... No. I was never massively worried. The goal, the, the first goal coming right on the stroke of our time was a blessing. Don't get me wrong. That was It couldn't have come at a better time. Um, I think it really knocked the stuffing out of Southampton going into that second half. And obviously, really gave City the belief that they, got, that they could go on and just cruise through that second half and win the game in style like we did but I think that that belief I think more so in the back four now with the fact that we've got four defenders who you just you do, you're back to stop everything and you look at I think there, there was a chance where um, I can't remember his name went through and Ake saw him wide and fast him wide and then Edison made a smart save to be fair came out and caught it off his feet can't mm. remember what the bloke's name was um, was it Mara? That uh yeah I think so and and then I've seen a lot it kind of digressing a little bit but I've seen a lot said about oh Walker needs to start tonight we need the pace of yes, Walker against yeah. Bayern Munich and Bayern Munich's pace and this and, that and the other end 
I'm not. I, I wouldn't say I necessarily believe the narrative that we've got to match pace with pace because Southampton, their kind of their threat looked like coming down the speed through the wings, and I'm by no means comparing Bayern Munich to Southampton. But if you've got four, let, let's face it, John Stones, Nathan Ake, Diaz, and Akanji, not the four fastest players in the world, Akanji the fastest of the lot, but none of them are blessed really with blistering pace, but. Sometimes just that football in IQ is all you really need to kind of counteract that pace. If you can hold your line well, if you can put yourselves in the right positions, then there's there's nothing really that they can do to get past you. And we saw that at the weekend. And I will add also on Southampton that on the two occasions, well, three occasions I've watched them, obviously at the Etihad and then um, the, the game in the League Cup, which was a, a big duff from City and maybe our worst performance of the season. Um, and then again on, on Saturday... And I, I'll admit, I don't watch much of them. I don't understand watching them, how they are where they are in the league, because I feel like they look a lot better than a side that are comfortably bottom of the Premier League. I feel like they look like they play good football, they press well, they, they've got that... I think maybe they just lack that cutting edge, that player, that creative sort of number 10 who can kind of find them gaps. They've got Ward Prowse, it's a little bit deeper though, and... I don't know what it is about Southampton, but I, I think when I watch them comparatively to a team like like Leicester, who look absolutely bobbins at the minute, or the, these sorts of sides, I think I, I can't work out how they, how they probably, are they looking like going down? I think they look like a half-decent side. But mm. uh, but yeah, as far as City were concerned, we, we rode that early sort of... I, I wouldn't say it was necessarily a wave of pressure because I don't think we, we ever looked like I think we looked the best side throughout the 90 minutes. I just think Southampton started quite strongly. Um, but yeah, we, we got through that phase. We got the goal at the perfect time. And then the second half, we, we were playing some of the best stuff we've seen from us this season, as we have done over the course of the last sort of two, three weeks. So if we can keep it up, um, I, I struggle to see where teams beat us because we now look like a side who are confident at the back. Obviously, we know we're capable of scoring hundreds of goals and... And yeah, and it makes for a really dangerous combination, and it and for City fans, it makes for, I well personally for sure, it gives me a lot of confidence going into that back end of the season. Yeah, and I think that the confidence is is inherent in the team as well, which is is such a, it was so transparent to me uh, this weekend in how we dealt with you know conceding those early chances, um, riding it out, keeping our shape, keeping our rhythm. There is you know we've seen this so often in the past. But so rarely this this season, where City have are set up to play away, and then no matter what the circumstances are, they will continue playing that way. Um, and I, that, that's a big plus, I think, what I got from this weekend, aside obviously from the goals and result. Um, and as for Southampton, completely agree. Um, they, they always look better than what they are because their press is a kind of adventurous, risky press that doesn't or shouldn't work against City, but should, but doesn't work against others. Yeah, I know so, what you mean. Yeah. Um, it was 100 uh, Premier League assists now for Kev. What does he... I spoke about Kev on um, a pod last... It might have been the preview show last week um, about why I believe he assists as many as he does. Um, I think I said something about how he passes with pace. Um, and there's few players who, who can do that, basically. He passes almost like, like shots. We've got so much power on them. Um, and thereby, with accuracy, they'll, they'll find their target more often than not. 
Is there anything else that comes to mind to you that kind of really sets him apart? Why does he create so? Is is it his intelligence? I mean, that, that's got to be a factor too. He's got he's got so much about him. There's so many different things you can pick out, but a couple of the key ones I thought when I was kind of writing down a few notes when you sent the the notes over for this show was that one one area which is I think he's the best in the world that is the transition from defence to attack, yeah. picking the ball up deep in midfield and just running at your back line. But what De Bruyne's got, which is maybe different from your more natural creative midfielders, or your more traditional creative midfielders in your likes of your your Urzils, your Matters, your Silvers, these kind of flair players who will pick the ball up and kind of just dribble so elegantly across the field and then just play that little intricate ball in. Like you say, he's got this power in his pass, which is frightening, but we also know how dangerous he is when he lets rip from 25 yards and he's got everything that means he's nothing. It's not like the defenders can can let off a little bit and kind of tempt him into shooting and go, you know what, it's fine. You you shoot, we'd rather you shoot than you pass because if you let him shoot, he's going to hit the target. You've got to step onto him to try and force the pass. And then if he gets past you and gets that space, he either unleashes the pass or he shoots and it's a target. And it's like, you just physically, there's no way of stopping him. He's so good at everything that he's, it's ridiculous how good he is. And I genuinely believe he is... He's in every single, no matter what formation you choose to play, no matter what what the rules are, if you are creating a starting eleven of the best Premier League players of all time, De Bruyne is in that starting eleven every single time. Whether you're playing a 4-4-2 and having him as a central midfielder, you're playing a 4-3-3 and having him sit a bit further forward, no matter what the formation is, I think De Bruyne, for me, would be the first pick in, in a midfield of any all-time Premier League side because you look at the big... Gerard Scholes and Lampard debate they all had their areas that they were better than others at Lampard scored more goals Scholes was probably the best passer Gerard was probably the most complete De Bruyne is a is a combination of the lot he's got absolutely everything and that is why he's cruised to this record of Premier League assists why he'll continue to break records and continue to win trophies at City because he is just so good at everything and I I now believe I've always said, and I think David Silva will always probably be my favourite player that I've ever watched as a City fan. Yeah. But I do believe that De Bruyne, in terms of the best overall player we've ever had at Manchester City, I don't. I think De Bruyne's top of the list now. In terms of, I mean, I can't talk your seventies, your Colin Bell's, these these players because it's it's before my time. But in, certainly in the Premier League era, I don't think City have ever had a better player than Kevin De Bruyne. Does any other City player get into an all-time Premier League eleven? Kyle Walker, I say this all the time, Kyle Walker's the best right-back ever in the Premier League. And I, I, I've always made a big point about nostalgia being, as football fans, we, in my opinion anyway, we place too much emphasis on nostalgia. Mm. And when you're talking all times, I think people struggle to think you can include present players in those conversations. You Straight away you go to your, your Rio Ferdinand, your John Terry's, your, your Petr Cech's, whoever it's been who's, who's been and gone. But in terms of what Kyle Walker's achieved the level he's played at for the length of time he's played there, I, I just don't think... I think the right-back position is probably the, the hardest one to pick of, of, agree, of yeah. the, of the yeah, whole yeah. field because he's not been... I mean, everyone goes Gary Neville. And, but you know, Gary... This yeah, is, I, Gar- mean, I mean, he, Kyle Walker or Gary Neville, it's got to be Walker every time. This is what I'm saying is he's, he's helped, in, in my opinion, in, in this hypothetical debate that 
by the fact there is there hasn't like I say there hasn't been a wealth of outstanding right backs in the Premier yeah. League era. There's not been like you look at left back and straight away it's Ashley Cole. I don't think it's even really remotely close in, in a debate for the best left back. Mm. Um, you, you've got a couple of keepers you can chuck in. You could go a Schmeichel, you could go a Czech. But as far as right backs are concerned, like I say, Kyle Walker has won numerous Premier League titles. I forget how many he's won now. Four, is it? I think it's four. Mm. Um, and he's he's made hundreds of appearances in the competition. He was one of the best young right backs in the league at Spurs. He came to City with a big price tag on his head and he's been to City starting right back for the best part of seven or eight years now. So I think Kyle Walker for me would, would be the obvious definite other inclusion and then you can make a case for other players in there but I think that's a show in its own to be honest well <laughs> I agreed if you look at it two centre forwards picking those two would be nigh on impossible because obviously yeah. you know we're both going to go Sergio and Sergio's got the stats to back it up but you're talking about modern players I mean Kane has to be in, in that conversation and then of course when you go back in time there, there's certain ones which like Drogba I believe was a touch overrated for me um so there's some that maybe I would be okay with omitting, but um, yeah, I don't know. Centre forward would be really, really hard. And of course, yeah. creative midfielders. You've gone De Bruyne. I would very likely go De Bruyne. Um, I couldn't have any team without David Silver in it. Though. Yeah. And, and the then... thing is with De Bruyne, this is what I say why he's so good though. Sorry to interrupt. Is mm. that you could have De Bruyne and Silver because you could just put De Bruyne playing a bit further back yeah, yeah. because he yeah. is so capable of doing that. But I, I, I'd have David Silver in. But that would. I think it'd cause a bit of a, a bit of a, a debate and a bit of uh, a ruckus if we had De Bruyne and Silver in the same team. But I, I just don't think there's been a better flair attacking midfield. There's not. There hasn't been a better like that kind of ilk of attacking midfielder. David Silver's been the best at that in the Premier League. I, I really would, do believe that as well. As an amazing player as Kevin De Bruyne is, I still think no one comes close to touching David Silver because on, on a weekly basis, okay, he had a, a few off games. Everyone has a few off games. But they were few and far between, and the consistency of that man in just providing sumptuous football was just something I've never before seen, and will very likely never again see. Um, for me, David Silva getting there ahead of Kevin, but oh yeah, like you say, this is another pod entirely. <laughs> yeah, hundred um, percent. Talking of kind of. Well, a future great player. A great player right now, but in terms of establishing himself within the Pantheon, and definitely so, there's no question about it, Erling Haaland, um, another two goals at the weekend. Um, realistically, if he stays fit, and bearing in mind, is it 15 games, I think, or maximum of 15 games we've got left if we win every tournament? What numbers are we looking at here for, for Haaland? I mean, if it's like a one in two Ratio, he scored what is it, forty four goals. <laughs> um, so he could score another eight, maybe ten goals. I mean, he could score fifty five goals this season. I mean, for you, what what's kind of realistically, what would you pin a number down on what he could capably, you know, kind of score by the end of the season? Thanks for listening to the first fifteen minutes of the show. To listen to the full podcast and all our contents, including reviews, previews, analysis, quizzes and much more, go to 9320.com to sign up now or simply click the link in the description. So what are you waiting for? Go to 9320.com now for the best, most passionate, impartial coverage of Manchester City and beyond.